Well, 100% of the people who move from uh, expecting someone to fix something they did to us to applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound we ever have or will suffer, will walk in the freedom of Christ. And you will walk in freedom. It's just that simple. When you apply the gospel, when you put the blood of Jesus on, if you take people to the cross, they will find freedom. Anywhere else at best, you get an anesthetic. So we're taking people to the cross. Welcome, my friend. This is the weekend edition of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Yes, weekend edition number 33 is today. And I am so excited to share with you Bruce and Tony Hebel from ForgivingForward.com. I got to have this fantastic conversation with them. And here's what they say. They say that no matter what has hurt you, there's a simple yet powerful answer to your healing, and that is forgiveness. Now, to me, I'm like, okay, I've been a pastor for 35 years, duh. Okay, forgiveness, tell me something I don't know. I honestly, I was shocked by the conversation with Bruce and Tony, and I wish that in this one case, that this were not an audio podcast, but that you were watching video, because it's so much I felt like came through just watching Bruce and Tony as they interacted together on the other side of the screen because both husband and wife joined me because they're both involved in this forgiving forward ministry that they have. So I'm just going to go right to this conversation because I believe it is powerful and that every pastor on the planet should hear this. And so thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad you get to hear this today. Here's my conversation with Bruce and Tony Hebel. Bruce and Tony Hebel, thank you for joining me today on the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Welcome. We rarely have dual guests at the same time, but you're married, so I think it will work. Would you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Yeah, my name is Bruce. And I'm Tony, and we are delighted to be here. Yep, yep. And we lead a ministry called Forgiving Forward. We teach people how to forgive and how to help other people forgive. Our passion is to help people experience the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness. And uh, our focus is the local church, especially the pastor and his family and and the congregation as they meet as they work together. Yeah. There's so many wounds that can bring that can affect the pastor's family and vice versa. So our heart is for healing for both. You know, you're, the name of your ministry reminds me of John Maxwell's old book, Failing Forward. (laughs) And I've not seen that term used for forgiving, but it's such a great title, Forgiving Forward. And again, what's the subtitle to the book? Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution is a subtitle of the book, but really the passion is to help people experience gospel, the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness. And it's a gospel-centric forgiveness message that we're bringing. We're asking people to understand that there is a payment that's already been paid for whatever we've suffered. And so we're, we're there's a lot of confusion around forgiveness uh, that God has given us clarity on, and we've suffered a lot in the local church ourselves. Uh, so we kind of know where uh, your listeners are. Isn't that crazy that something as fundamental as forgiveness, there would be so much confusion around. I mean, wouldn't the enemy want to do that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll yeah. never tell a, he'll never tell a pastor or a, a church leader that forgiveness is a bad idea. You don't need to forgive. Now, he knows that the theology is strong enough that we know forgiveness is important, but he muddies it. He 
he gets us to either not do it or he makes it so confusing or we kind of salute it and don't actually do it. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and we have found by the grace of God in our life, these very practical ways to know how to forgive and actually why forgiveness is such a bad idea. Unforgiveness is such a bad idea. Right. Oh, okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad you straightened that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unforgiveness is such a bad idea. Absolutely. Okay. So just share with us briefly, just give us a, a brief bio because you mentioned to me before we started recording that you've pastored in the local church. So give us a brief bio to, to how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah, well, I was raised in a pastor's home. Uh, my dad pastored small churches and medium-sized churches. And uh, I was nine when I knew I was going into ministry, uh, which is kind of weird, but that's the only story I got. So I'm going to stick with it. I was too. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's interesting. Nine. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're going to follow your dad's footsteps and his vocation, you're going to want to learn from him. And that was the relationship I had with my dad. And uh, and if your dad, if your son's following you, you want him to stand on your shoulder, just like I do with my sons. Uh, and that's the, my dad and I had a really good relationship, but I watched my dad as a pastor and I noticed something about him. He got hurt a lot because sheep bite. Yeah. They sneak up and behind you and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit and they don't like to let go. And so I said, I'm going to learn from my dad. I'm not going to make the same mistakes he did. So I go to Bible college. I meet Tony. We get married. I go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. And uh, I get trained. We get trained by some of the most significant godly uh, leaders uh, on the planet and well-trained, well-equipped. And we launch into our ministry and we get bit hard multiple times in multiple places over many years. In larger churches and in smaller churches, we have we've run the gamut on that. Deep, deep wounds. I mean, I was assault, assaulted by an elder in a, church, in, a, in a in a board meeting. One of our children was molested by a church member. We've suffered. We had to uh, go through the court system, all that's involved with that. It was horrific. Put out for, for no reason, without cause. Just we don't want you here anymore. And betrayed. So deep betrayals Very in betrayed. our lives. And I guess that what you even called the focus on the family pastoral hotline one day, didn't you? I did. And I I was a wreck. I was at the end of my rope. And I shared with them all that was going on. And the gentleman on the other end said, ma'am, this is the worst story we've ever heard. Why are you still doing this? Most people would have quit the ministry by now because we went through four bad situations, one right after another. And none of them, although we are not perfect, absolutely, but none of them were actionable. Like some of them, we could have taken them to court and won. It was really brutal. We both got to this place that we were just done. <laughs> we didn't know how yeah. we were going to move on. Um, we but we, really but we still were. We were, and I was. I guess it was about a year in our ministry. I was. God had brought me to a church that was dysfunctional at the time. Uh, through my leadership gifts and my teaching gifts, we were struggling to bring some stability and growth and, and and health to the church. But there's about a year that, in my heart, I was a mess because the scab from an old wound got knocked off by a current mm-hmm. event, which I'm sure is yeah. not happening to anybody listening besides <laughs> me, right? And uh, the only word I can use, I was in torment. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell Tony. I didn't tell my best friend. I didn't tell anybody because I'm a pastor. We don't have problems. Right, right, right. We fix problems, right? Yeah. And foolishly, we think that and we don't, we don't deal with our own stuff, even though we try to help other people. And so I'm just a, a wreck. And finally, I'm meeting with a counselor. I, neat guy, become a dear friend. 
And he said, I think you've got a forgiveness issue, Bruce. And I said, no, no, James, I don't. I, he mentioned a particular man. I said, I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. He said, well, you've got some problem. I don't know what it is, but I think it's forgiveness. But if it's not that, you need to go away with God, just you and God, two, three, four days, whatever it takes, and, and ask God what it is. And while you're there, you want, might want to read this book on forgiveness and handing me Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. Uh, not very subtle was James. So I go away. It's just me and God. Uh, and finally, I guess, I guess it was the third day into the meeting, just me and God, just praying and seeking God. What is going on? Why is this going on inside of me? And he said, you haven't been forgiven. And he mentioned the same guy's name. And I said, no, no, God, I, I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, I know I read your letter. <laughs> you shamed him in that letter. But God, he did all of these things that wounded me and hurt my family. And it's just not right. He goes, I get it. But how many people have you talked about all the things I are told about all the things I did for you coming out of that event? So how is it you praise me and blame him for the very same event? And I didn't have an answer. So I made what was a difficult decision for me at that time in that lake house to say, I choose to forgive this man for the specific things he did to wound me and my family and everything in my spirit shifted. I mean, I'm singing at the top of my lungs, worship songs. There's people across the lake going, what is that weird noise coming from that empty house? Changed me dramatically. Came home, shared it with Tony. She got free, gathered our kids together. They're in their late teens, early 20s. And, you know, pastor's kids get wounded. I mean, they don't know what to do with it when they do. And so... We spent 11 hours one day as a family forgiving not only that man, but other stuff that we've gone through, and it transformed our families. Bruce, how was your forgiveness in that moment for that person different from when you had forgiven him earlier? Well, I think in the past I had said, okay, God forgave him, and I, but I, I was laying him, I'm just going to let him off the hook. He's no longer, you know. But I had not really specifically forgiven the things he had done and actually recognized that God had forgiven him and his blood had paid for him as well. I remember one of the things God told me in that time, and it's a, it wasn't an audible conversation, but we have these conversations with God. He speaks to us. And he says, you know, I love him just as much as I love you, right? And you've blown it in certain ways, right? And I've forgiven you for those things. So I've also forgiven him. So why can you, how can you expect more than I expect? And so I was in the infancy of what we were learning and we've developed later. I was forgiving him for specifically what he had done. And I was saying, you don't owe me anything. That's now, it's now under the blood. It's now under the cross. You, Jesus, you paid for it. It's done. Yeah. First John 2, 2 says that Jesus is the satisfaction, not only for my sin but also for the sins of the entire world. So every sin ever committed by anybody was paid for already by Jesus on the cross. And not everybody's reconciled with him, of course, and that's a whole other subject we go into. But everything that has happened to me and to Bruce and my kids was already paid for. So for me not to forgive would be to say, Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice for me. It has given me life and you've brought me into your family. But for what this person did to me or to my children or to my husband was your blood's not enough. I demand something more. And the other piece that we learned it early on was that we follow Christ's example of forgiving. And when he forgave, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we've recognized that we don't 
necessarily forgive people. Like for me just to say, I forgive this man that he's talking about. I forgive and I just name a name doesn't work because that stays in my head. It, it, I, I'm not into my heart where I was wounded. Matthew 18 talks about we need to forgive from our heart. So we did the research on that. And it means to say, Father, I choose to forgive this person for doing and list the wounds. We forgive wounds, not people, although they're associated with the people. But when they're we inflicted went, by people, right. but it's the wounds we're paying. And so people. when I went through my forgiveness piece, just like he did at the lake house, I had my time as well. Um, I was in severe depression. I mean, I was the pastor's wife that did everything. You know, I do play the piano <laughs> and I, I handled the worship services and I um, taught all about, you know, headed up the women's ministries. And I mean, I was poor. I pour my life into these these churches that um, that betrayed us. And so, yeah, well, in fact, in fact, one small church we were pastoring, I would lead the worship. She would play the keyboards. Then I would preach. Well, I called it the dog and Tony show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so I got to this place of um, severe depression, meaning I did not want to live anymore. That's where I was. I was at the very bottom. And I remember God just, I went with him, I got with him on, at, also at a lake, but, but just a close by lake. And I had this moment with him and he, he just taught me how to, we just, he just laid out what I call, we now call the protocols. And I forgave the, these just at, the time, at that time, two people um, that were in the church that betrayed us. Um, for the specific things they had done and for what they had, the ramifications of their actions and the way um, it caused me to feel and what, how it, what it communicated to me and all of these things. Each thing is the Holy Spirit brought up the wound. I, I spoke that out loud. I choose to forgive this person for these things. And I transfer that all to the cross. Um, they're no longer in my debt. Um, so we have a whole teaching on this, but basically the bottom line is, that when I chose to forgive from my heart those specific wounds of the things that had happened to me, there was no process. It was immediately I was set free, immediate, never to go back. The, the thoughts of suicide, the thoughts of, of the depression, even the meds I was on, I was able just to immediately just get, I don't necessarily recommend this, but I didn't even wean off. I just, I just was, I was done with them. I was set free. And I will never mm. forget that day. I remember thinking the sun is shining again. Wow, this is incredible. And it was because when we forgive, God blesses us and removes the torment that he allowed there to begin with. Yeah, which we haven't gotten into yeah. that yet. But so yeah, anyhow, I, I was going to ask you if you had to go back and continually forgive. Is it a, no, is it a daily no, thing, no, weekly thing, month, no, monthly no, thing? A one-time deal. How, how often do you buy your house? So you don't prescribe. You don't, it's you, a transaction. You don't, you don't sub, subscribe or prescribe? You don't subscribe to the notion that forgiveness is an ongoing thing nope. that you it's may have to forgive over again. Forgiveness is not a process. It's all it's a trans it's a transaction. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a series of transactions. Now there may be new wounds that I have to forgive, but how many times does someone have to accept Jesus? It's one time. Mm -hmm. Now there's some times in my life I have to remember that. And I have to, to, to remind myself that I put my faith in Jesus and, and that is changes everything. So sometimes I have to be reminded and we, we have that as part of the protocol. Protocol number six is how to deal with the memory. But it is a specific transaction. Uh, and here's, here's why I say that. What you're forgiving are wounds or debts. 
right? There, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us, right? It's it's a debt. So when I forgive a debt, the forgive it's done, right? I in fact if 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 I forgive you a debt, you hope let's just say Jeff, you owe me a hundred bucks, and uh, I say Jeff, it's okay, you're forgiven. I write you a note and give it to you. Well. If I come back in a month from now and go, and I'm short on cash and say, hey, Jeff, you owe me a hundred bucks. That would be, that would be considered fraud. You, I, you have evidence that I, that, that you've already said that debt has been satisfied through my forgiveness. But it's probably more accurate to say if my, my, my buddy Ed said, you know, Jeff owes you a hundred bucks. I want to cover Jeff's uh, payment. And he hands me the hundred bucks. And this is to cover the debt. Okay, great. Well, if I come to you and say, Jeff, you owe me a hundred bucks, that's fraud, right? So to demand anything other than what Jesus paid is spiritual fraud. Why do you think that gets taught over and over and so often that we have to continually forgive in our heart because we can't forgive just one time? I've heard that taught and preached. Really? I, I almost want to say exclusively. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't yeah, know that I've yeah, ever heard I have. And it's it's a common I a couple of things. It goes back to a previous conversation we had that that the enemy wants to just so dilute and distort forgiveness that we we don't actually do it. And I think it's also unbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me back up and get run at this that it's a great question and kind of run into it in a different direction that, that maybe will get us to that. It may take a minute to get there. But in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus a question, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? All right, so there's a series of different wounds. This may go back, let me retreat just a second. Mm-hmm. Is if if I forgive you for something and then you do it again tomorrow, it's a new wound I have to and forgive. So sometimes forgive. I have to keep forgiving people because it's a yeah. repeated action. But right. the specific action, the one action, it's done. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? Well, Peter knew the Pharisees said, if you sin against you twice, you have to forgive three times if you want to be generous. After that, don't have to forgive. Probably shouldn't. And Jesus said 70 times seven. Because Peter was looking for a pat on the back. He was doubling the max of the Pharisees. And he said, um, how about 70 times seven, which is 490 times, which is an unlimited number. Then he gives us a story, a parable, to help us understand the answer to the question. And the, the story, very quickly, is this. There was a ruler who came to collect debts from slaves who owed him money. First one owed him 10,000 talents. Pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Now, that's a great story, but most people, I didn't know for me. I passed it for 30 years before I actually did the deep dive research on this. A talent was worth 60 mina, and a mina was three months wages. That's 180 months wages for one talent, or 15 years for one talent. This guy owed 15, uh, 10,000 of them. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. <laughs> no one has that, right? Hmm. At 50,000 a year, which is the median income in the U.S., that's $7.5 billion that the ruler forgave, which means his net worth came down by that much, and the net worth of the slave came up. So we get this great debt over here. And you would think he would be in a good mood. If he got that kind of a forgiveness, right? He wasn't. He went and found a second slave, someone on the same line with him, not under his authority, who owed him 100 days wages, 16 grand. 
Pay me what you owe me. Same appeal. Please, please, please give me time. That's possible. He choked him and threw him in prison. The ruler summoned him and confronted him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave you that debt because you asked for mercy. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? And which is a legitimate question. And it says, and his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe at this point in the story? Well, again, he didn't owe the money because that was forgiven. When you forgive a debt, you can't go back and reclaim that debt. But he owed something. What is it he owed? Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? He owed forgiveness to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. Hmm. And the torture in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail who was skilled in exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. I think most people remember the, the, the guy at the end of Braveheart. That's what this is. Jesus leaves the parable at that point, which is important because he's no longer talking about a pretend story. He's answering the question. And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. The same what? In the context of Matthew 18, it can't mean anything but hand you over to the torturers. The Father doesn't torture us. He gives authority for it to happen. And that word torturer is used 18 times in the Greek New Testament. And it's in every other time it's used in connection with hell or demonic activity. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Yeah. Lazarus woke up in Abraham's bosom. The rich man woke up in hell being in the same word torment. Literally, what Jesus is saying here, the Father gives authority for us to be tormented by demonic forces if we don't forgive. And torment looks like? It looks like depression, anxiety, paranoia, fear. I'm not talking about being afraid of a snake, but the fear that grips you. Um, panic attacks. It also is connected with all addiction, whether it's sexual, uh, drugs, alcohol, some food. We have, I can't even count how many people have been set free from addiction just by forgiving. And we also see it in some physical issues. Not all physical issues are related to unforgiveness, but if the torment is in their body that way and is tormenting them that way and they forgive, at the torment, the moment we forgive, God, the discipline ends and the, and the torment has to leave. That's why it's immediate. It's just like a salvation experience. And so we have witnessed, and it was shocking the first time it happened because that's not the stream we run in. But, um, yeah, we saw, we have seen crazy we've seen, stories. We've seen cocaine addiction ended when they forgive. We've seen depression ended when they forgive. We've, need, we've seen marriages healed when oh, they okay. forgive. No matter what level of adultery, no, what level of betrayal or whatever, one conversation, one session, one forgiveness or, yeah. or forgiveness session where they're forgiving the specific wounds and the reconciliation happens it's just story after story after story we're trying to we're trying to short yeah shorten this we have we, we want to keep i am answering your question i don't want you to forget <laughs> that i am moving that direction the question becomes why why does god discipline unforgiveness this harshly because i don't think there's anything else the new testament says god will hand us over the torturers for except unforgiveness and so why does he discipline unforgiveness that harshly because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel you can't cut the gospel anywhere it doesn't bleed forgiveness. Because Luke 24, yeah. 46 says, 
Thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day, so that, which is a purpose clause, which means the death and resurrection of Jesus is the means to the end. It's not the end. Even though it's a big, big deal, it's not the big, it's not the end, it's not the goal. What is the goal? So that repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. As Tony said earlier, the first John 2 2 says, Jesus paid for every sin of the world. Every sin ever committed by anybody anywhere on the planet was paid for by Jesus on the cross. So when we say God may forgive, but I won't, we're saying that basically to the Heavenly Father, thank you very much, Father. I'm so grateful that you and impressed that you accept the blood of your son as payment in full for the sins of the world against you. But what they did to me, I need something more than that. And so when we don't forgive, we say the blood of Jesus isn't enough. But we say the blood of Jesus covers all sin, including the ones that wound me. So that comes to the question, why do people say this other stuff? I think at the core of it, it's unbelief. We don't understand that our forgiveness is not based upon our, our graciousness. It's not based upon our mercy. It's not based upon anything we magnanimously do. It's the concrete belief inside of my spirit and my heart that the blood of Jesus truly covers what happened to me. And so when we choose to forgive, we get free and we don't have to do it. When we coach people to forgive, we take them not only to forgive, and we did it ourselves, the wounds, we walk through all of that one person at a time. And at the after that we they forgive them for the wounds and specifically state those, then we seal our forgiveness, so to speak, with a blessing. And we ask them to bless, ask God to blend. By the way, forgiveness is between us and God. It's not us going to that person. It's between us and God. So God, would you please bless my mom or my dad or whoever it is? Um, and you list four or five, six different ways you want him to bless them. It's it's if you can't bless someone, you haven't forgiven them. And so it's, it seals it. It makes it true. And it's beautiful to see what happens in that blessing time. But this is the key after. And this goes along to his, to his question as well. After we have blessed someone, we say these words. I declare my uncle or whoever is no longer in my debt. I transfer their debt to the cross where Jesus paid it all. When it's transferred, it's no, it's not available for me to, to bring back and deal with again and mull over and to discuss and forgive again, forgive again. No, it's we have transferred it all to the cross, and that's where it stays. And that's when the freedom happens. Does that help? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that is really helpful. And tease out a little bit what you said, Tony, about forgiveness is between us and God. It's mm-hmm. not between us and the person. Because right. practically speaking, sometimes that person is involved, though, correct? In the process. The process of forgiving is between me and God. So if my Aunt Susie hurts me, or let's, let's make it this way. Let's say um, the co, my co-women's leader decides to betray me and, and whatever um, in the church. Then I, I go to God and I, in prayer, out loud, I walk through the protocols of forgiveness of the wounds that she did to, against me. If I go to her and she's not repentant, then what I'm going to do is cause her to move further away from this reconciliation I desire. Yeah, let me, let, let me jump in here for just a second okay. because it will clarify something. One of the mistakes people make is equating forgiveness and reconciliation. Right. They are not okay. the same. Right. 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 Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Right. Reconciliation is two alienated parties coming back into harmony. 
So in order for that to happen, you've got the wounded party has to forgive and the wounding party has to repent. So forgiveness says what they did was wrong. Not that it was okay. Not not no big deal. Are we good? It's no, what they did was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. And reconciliation happens when I forgive and the person who's wounded me says what I did was wrong. What can I do to make it right? But God always calls us to forgive first before he calls into repentance because he wants our forgiveness based upon the cross of Jesus, not a based, of, based upon their repentance. So we come and we mm-hmm. sit at the table of reconciliation with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit already sitting there. And the Holy Spirit will go and bring them to repentance. Right. And repentance isn't a change of behavior like so many of us believe. It, repentance is the Greek word metanoia, meta, to fully change. Noia is mind. So they right. must, their behavior will follow, but repentance is a change of their mind, recognizing, wow, what I did was wrong. So if I go to that person and say, you know, um, Sandy, you should, it really bothered me. You really hurt me when you did da-da-da-da. And they're not repentant. God has not worked in their heart yet. First of all, I'm, I will be manipulative and try to manage this, um, this situation and manage this um, their reconciliation, their repentance. And God's not in that at all. So what I do is I forgive and I just wait on him in faith that he will bring them to repentance and his time and his way, whether they respond to him or not, is their choice. But I'm free. My freedom is not based upon their repentance or my reconciliation with them. That is what we've learned and we've experienced over and over again. But when I forgive, it's between me and God. I trust God. Okay. I like that distinction now between forgiveness, repentance and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. being three very different things. And uh, yes. a good point about the metanoia, uh, because you're right, we do think, you know, well, I was going this way and I turned, I have to go a different way. That's involved, but it really is. I used to think this way, but now I think this way. I think yeah. differently. And therefore, if we really do, then our actions will follow, right? right. If we really right. do. Right. But, but, if we, but if we let the action be our evidence, we're not remembering that Romans 7 is still in the text, right? In Romans 7, Paul says, the things I know to do, I, I'm thinking right, but my but my behavior is not that. And the things that I know not to do, those are the things I find myself doing. Because what Paul's saying in that passage is, that even if I know the right thing to do, if I'm trying to do it in my own flesh, I God will come against it and I will fail. So we have to get into Romans 8, where the Holy Spirit is actually one doing the work. So I have to change my mind and yield to his his leadership and his power, and he changes me, not me. So we can't let the behavior be the evidence, although behavior will follow if I truly understand and I yield, that it may take me a minute because I've got this faith thing that's keeping me from, or lack of faith that's keeping me from living out what I know to be true. Yeah, so now in a nutshell, you've given us the, kind of the the kernel of your teaching and some of the scripture that you'll use. I'm sure there's a lot more to it as you would share and teach and bring in other scriptures, other biblical principles. How long have you been out of pastoral ministry? And then how long have you been engaged in full-time what you're doing right now? Uh, About 12 years. We actually transitioned out of the local church into this. And, we tried uh, to do both for a while, yep, yep. And, but God clearly called us to yeah. this. And Bruce Wilkinson had a lot to do with that. He came into our life and, and challenged us to leave the Little C Church, to go to the Big C Church, because the Big C Church is a mess, and unforgiveness is one of the root mm-hmm. 
issues in the church that's keeping it from be, being all God wants it to be. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you're making a difference? Because I, I, I would think that at the beginning, you knew there was a big problem. And at this point, you would look and say, wow, we look at all of the ministry God's allowed us to do, and that's wonderful. But but now that we're where we're at, we can see that there's just, just never ending. There's going to be all kinds of work for us and until we can't work anymore. Is well, that true? Like, well, I don't think we look at it that way because God told us in the very beginning that I want you to, to go after the one. Like our ministry is to the one, one by one by one. And it's his responsibility of who those are. We have been all over the map, all over the world. We have spoken to leaders in Israel, both Jews and Arabs, at the same time for a weekend, 50 of each, and had huge, I mean, Yasser Arafat's assassin we helped. I mean, we have dealt with some big things. Um, been in the Congo, been in the jungles of Amazon. Um, our book is in multiple languages now. and Six total, Hebrew, yeah. Arabic, Spanish, Korean, and now Russian. Right. So I guess for me to answer your question is our view is this. The only people who don't need what we're teaching are the ones who've never been wounded. Hmm. And there's only one guy who walked the planet perfectly and we killed him. So I don't think anybody gets out of this unscathed. So, yeah, there's a lot of people, but it's the second half of the gospel. And so if you look at uh, are we making a dent in bringing people to Jesus? Well, yes. And in one context, no. Or are we making a dent in helping people find freedom? Yes. But there's so many more people and there's so mm -hmm. many more uh, churches that need what we need. And that's why we've created a, a video curriculum for uh, churches to use in their small groups and families to use in their homes. And uh, we're training other coaches to coach the way we coach. And uh, yeah, so our heart is to go viral because this I'm telling you, I wish you could be a bird in our coaching room and watch and see what happens. But you you can see we can have a couple come in with adultery and all kinds of stuff in there and they walk out healed. Why don't you tell them the, the Grammy award winning guy story? Yeah, we had a couple come to us. Uh, he's actually a, a Grammy award winning R and B guy. I didn't know who he was cause I don't follow that genre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, but he'd come to faith a few weeks earlier. Uh, and when he came to faith, he came clean with his wife of 14 years that he didn't know how many women he'd slept with in their marriage. He would fly women to England, London or wherever he was working. To just, you know, uh, and he had an 11 year old son. His wife knew nothing about. And she at that point thought the marriage was perfect. And so somehow, somehow he got her convinced to come see us. And so when they came in, I mean, she was. Hurt, wounded and cold. And she uh, but when we began to dwell, dig down into his story uh his wounded people wound people often in the way in which they're wounded and his father had lived that kind of lifestyle in his life and if you've got a son who witnesses a dad unfaithful to his mom there's a wounding not just in the mom but in the son and if the son doesn't deal with that wound more often than not he will repeat that sin and so uh we began dealing with his dad and he began forgiving his dad uh, and in the middle of the of forgiving his dad, he said, and my sister. I said, what did your dad do to your sister? Nothing. It's what my sister did to me. 
So he said, well, let's just park this over here for a minute because we stayed stuck with dad. We forgave dad. We blessed dad. And then I said, okay, let's talk about your sister. What did she do? Well, from the time I was six to 11 ish, uh, she not only molested me, but she brought her friends in and they would use me like a sex toy. Horrific abuse, which explained his sexual addiction. And when he forgave his sister, who was unrepentant, by the way, when he forgave his sister, everything in his countenance changed. He just dramatic. You could watch it visibly in his face that he was free. Then Tony coached his wife to forgive some things in her past, but also her husband. Uh, and they walked out reconciled. I mean, arm in arm leaving. And about what, three weeks later, Tony gets a phone call from Japan. We don't know anybody in Japan. It was this guy's producer who said, I don't know what you did with, but we've got a similar problem. Can we meet? And they flew from Japan to Atlanta, Georgia, where we live, and we coached them to find freedom. And now that first couple has two ministries going on, one to men with sex addiction and another to couples in crisis. And they use the forgiving forward model as their base. We just heard from them about a month ago. Yeah. And they said, we are still doing wonderful. We just had our anniversary. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was like eight or nine years ago. I was going to ask you what the follow-up was with them. Yeah, we just yeah. heard from them. Just yeah. heard from them. In fact, I, I, I blogged this, and we got a call. It was like seven or eight years later. we keep their name, and, of course, confidential. Um, you know, we didn't. We, we, we hide it so no one would know who they are. And he goes, I recognize myself. <laughs> Want you to know we're doing awesome, and that changed our life. And, and, yeah. and we're celebrating our anniversary, and we wouldn't be had you not helped us forgive. The power of forgiveness. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Tony, you as a pastor's wife mm-hmm. said that you experienced a, a lot of pain. And yeah. uh, you're one of those pastor's wives that decided uh, you're in it as a team, mm-hmm. and you're going to serve at the church. You probably got your own separate salary. No. Oh, 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 you didn't? No. Oh, you didn't get a separate pastor's wife salary? <laughs> well, no. They didn't give the board the memo? <laughs> no board memo there. <laughs> but but you put your, like you said, you gave your life to it, you put your heart into it, mm-hmm. and you worked with women and you did these other things. Without naming names, what are some of the things that you experienced? Just a couple of the things so that those who are listening could say, oh, yeah, well, my wife has dealt with that, or I've dealt with that. Well, having our child molested through someone in the church. Okay. Having someone molested in the church where he, my husband, had to be the pastor to that family, as well as the father to his child, was a difficult place to be in. And it, that was, it was shocking, because it's the last thing we would have imagined happened. Yeah. And then the ramifications of that, and what happened years later. So we had to that was a hard one to go through. But in generally speaking, it was really hard to watch my husband be betrayed, lied about, accused, just the, the secret meetings that would go on. I mean, the, the stuff we dealt with was mostly in the realm of political. Someone want, wanted somebody else in that position or Money was involved. The rich guy in the church, he wanted something and and my husband wasn't following through with what he wanted. And um, so that wasn't a good way to go. So, you know, we got to get rid of him so we can get the money back from this guy, that kind of sort of thing. And just pride, a lot of pride. And most of the things that Bruce would do to, and I knew his, as much as I can as a wife, knew his heart of serving the Lord with a genuine heart would be read as, because it was things would go so well, 
there would be a jealousy that would take place and the jealousy would rise up um, on someone else's part, which would then come against us as a deep wound because they would do what they could to get rid of us. And then there was just the simple things when you didn't live up to the expectations of others. You know, you walked down the aisle one Sunday and you didn't say hello to Mrs. Smith sitting there because you, your mind was on getting to the piano or, do, you know, whatever. And then there would be a whole email stream or gossip team that, went, you know, what she just doesn't care about me. You know, that's that sort of thing. So there's those small things. There was the big things. But there was always a feeling of um, no matter how hard we tried, no matter what we did, it wasn't good enough. We just weren't good enough. And yeah. the way we got out of that was to a few things. But the main thing, of course, was to forgive these wounds. And again, the wounds don't have to be necessarily sin, quote unquote. They can be unintentional wounds. Sometimes people hurt us unintentionally, but it hurt us nevertheless. And so we forgave all the wounds. And then living in the freedom of who we are in Christ and who we know uh, God has called us to be and to love people the best we can, but recognizing that they have their own wounds. And so when I didn't do the right thing in their eyes, that was their issue, not mine. If they brought it to me and yeah, I could agree, you know, something was I could agree with and say, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I didn't recognize that. But a lot of the time we were dealing with people who had a lot of torment in their own lives mm-hmm. and it was coming out at us. And so we were doing something to hit that wound in their life, which it had nothing to do with us. Yeah, I think in, in the in the context of church conflict, I think 100 percent of the time I could strong easily say that there is a wound on let's let the pastor brings a wound from a previous converse, uh, congregation and and he's making the current one uh, pay for it. Or the previous pastor has done something uh, and they're making the current pastor pay for it. And so when there is a when there's a lack of specificity, uh, when you don't really you can't put your finger on what it is or just something not right. That's a sign that there's torment. That's a sign that this is an unforgiveness issue. That if I deal, if, if if I have not dealt with this, then I will put it all on you and there's no way you can fix it because you're not the issue. Mm-hmm. And so the enemy gets it really in the midst of all that with permission from God because he's allowing us to be tormented. And he, he puts my torment against your torment and he creates all sorts of havoc in the church. So when I step back in my situation and I forgave that man specifically and said, God, I don't want you to hurt him anymore. I want you to bless him. You know, and by the way, I had moved in my in my progression from God heard him. You know, I, the, the imprecatory prayers, right? God make his make my make yeah, my yeah. enemy's wife a widow and his children uh, orphans, right? I'd move from that to <laughs> God don't hurt them, but don't help them, right? Which is a passive form of vengeance. And God, in, in that in that lake house, I actually God, would you just pour blessing on that church? Would you pour blessing on that pastor? Would you do this 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 this? Would you just just give them more than they deserve because you gave me more than I deserve. And when I do that, then I can step out of the situation and God can step into the situation and he can do whatever he, he wants to do in that. And sometimes he removes us and sometimes he doesn't. But we always learn and grow in the process. Tony, as you were talking, I was thinking about a person one time who had to write their opinion of my performance and they wrote a fair amount. And I remember reading it and thinking to myself, okay, this person was in close proximity to me for several years. 
and they wrote this about me. And if I were reading this and I were somebody else, I would say, well, based on who wrote this, they would know there's got to be, if this is even 25% right, this is kind of a bad dude. You know, I mean, it's obviously there's got to be truth in that. And I, I remember being so uh, crushed by the person who so misread me and mm-hmm. attributed certain things to me. It had never happened in my life quite the way it did with with this person. And as you were talking a little bit ago, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, have I, have I forgiven this person? I mean, I, I think I have. I don't hold, I'm not a grudge holder. My wife isn't a grudge holder. But as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, but I haven't thought about forgiveness quite in the way that you guys have been describing it in the last 45 minutes. So I, I probably need to go back there and take yeah. a look at that. I I probably should, uh, I don't know if I've got your book yet or not. Usually I'll, if I have somebody who's a guest on, mm-hmm. I go on and order their book because it's the least I can do if they're going to give me, me and our listeners an hour <laughs> of their time. Um, but I'm going to need to take a look at this because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to suffer with this burden or or any kind of torment because of unforgiveness. But one of you, and I don't remember which one of you said it, but you talked about um, releasing this debt. Okay. It's, it's when you said, you know, well, this person owes you this amount of money. When you make it money, it becomes pretty literal, right? And you just say, you're forgiven the debt. Okay. Mm -hmm. They don't owe it to you anymore. You, they did owe it to you and it was valuable and it was a lot but you've released it, you've forgiven it. And in the context of not having to forgive over and over mm-hmm. and over. And, and for the first time, maybe I've ever thought about it in this way, God only forgive forgave me one time exactly. yep. for all those sins that up until that point I'd ever committed. Yep. And I don't, I know, even though I do sometimes, you ask God for forgiveness again, but you know that it's already forgiven. And uh, that makes a lot of sense. Our friend Mike Wells used to say, the first time you confess a sin, you confess it to God. The second time you confess the same sin, you confess it to the devil, and he beats you over the head with it because God doesn't Mm. know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. It's it's (laughs) kind of like, you know, you you take the second time you take it because it's unbelief. It's a declaration. God, I don't believe you forgave me like you said you would forgive me the first time. And the way I describe it is it, it's like we, we second time we go to God with the same sin. We say, God, you know, forgive me this. And, he, and the father says, I don't know what you're talking about. And I know everything, but I do know we write this stuff down. So I'm going to go check the, the page where that is. He comes back and says, I found the page where what you're talking about was written down on. But I still don't know what you're talking about because I can't read it because there's blood all over the page. Yeah. Yeah. So it has been paid. One of the, the trans the debt to the cross, an imagery that helps, I think, for for many people is if you're in an accident, a car accident, somebody runs a red light and hits your car, you're asking for two things. You want to know their driver's license, so you know their identity, right? And you want to see their insurance card. Right. And if you see their insurance card and it's valid, you know you never have to interact with that person again. Even though they're the ones who injured your vehicle, you never have to deal with them again because you now know that there was a entity with a much bigger bank account that is committed legally to cover the injury that that person caused. 
So when we transfer the debt to the cross, we're saying this person may have done it, but there's an entity bigger than them who has enough righteousness in their account to cover this, and he's already committed to pay for it. So now whatever relational issue is between them and and God, it's between them and God. It's no longer between me and them. God and I, we're good. It's You got it, God. And we just enjoyed it. And it's again, it's like following, it's following Christ's example. He forgave first before the foundation of the world, the scripture says. But at least 2,000 years ago, he forgave us while we were his enemy. And we don't get the benefit of the reconciliation with Christ and God the Father until we repent. And when we repent and recognize, oh, I can't make my life work without you, Lord. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you be my life? Then we come into that reconciliation. But until then, Jesus is totally free and he is forgiven. And I'm, if I haven't repented, I'm out of that relationship that I'm not reconciled. And so we follow that same pattern with people. So, But it's so important. In, in the small church, it seems to be a bigger thing than what we see in the large church. Because, you know, you can be just a number in a large church. You just walk in and walk out. But in a small church, there's relationships and it can get a little sticky, and a little messy. And probably, would you say 100 percent? I don't know, close to it. The issues we see in any relationship stem from unforgiveness to begin with. We go there first and everything falls into place. It is, again, I wish I would have known this 40 years ago. We've coached hundreds of couples in crisis. We're in in a thousand. We're way over a thousand. A hundred percent of the time, it's never not been the case. The wound that's causing the torment, that's driving the conflict in their relationship, predate the couple ever meeting each other. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's always before they met. But if, I, if I've if i got a father wound and I've not dealt with that wound and, I, and I'm a wife, then I'm going to project that woundedness, wounding of that, those wounds onto my husband. And I won't hear my husband's voice. I'll hear my father's voice. Or if I've got a mother wound, Tony will say something. I will hear my mom. I won't hear her because of the torment that's involved. So until we deal with those root wounds, then we don't find freedom. And in my case, it all. I was being wounded around here. But in my case, I actually wasn't just that guy. I, I God traced down in my life over the next few weeks after that lake house experience to find out where's that root betrayal that I had. It actually goes back to my childhood, uh, my teen years. And I dealt with that. And that's where suddenly I'm free. Because until I until you deal with those root wounds, you'll start reading betrayal. You'll start reading uh, abandonment. You'll start reading uh, messages that you're not good enough. Whatever those wounds are, you'll start hearing them in other voices that are not actually intending you to, to say that to you. Right. Okay. You guys just dumped. You just <laughs> backed the dump truck up and dropped it on the front lawn with that. There's a interesting. You know, 100% of the time, the root woundedness happened before the couple met. Yeah, we have documentation of that. Yeah, it is a hundred. No, I'm I'm not saying that there's that that it's never that case. But in our, in our situation, in the people we've helped, that is that's. Yeah, well, it it makes so much sense because we come into our marriages with our baggage, yeah. but we're getting married. Mm-hmm. Everything is wonderful. Okay. You know, this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. you, don't have to, you don't have to work at your relationship, man. They're not going to be able to pull us apart once we get married. And yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and then life happens. And and then you're confused because things are happening, but you don't know why. 
Yeah. So you start addressing the wrong things and blaming the wrong one. things. Absolutely. Yeah. And repeating the wrong processes yep. over and yep. over again. Yep. Okay. So uh, Bruce and Tony, we need to figure out how my listeners can get more of what you guys are teaching. So you've got, you have a book and it's called Forgiving Forward. Do you have a, a another book? Or is this your main? Well, we're working on some, but that's our main book right now. We have other okay. materials. So if they go to forgivingforward.com, okay. um, it would be great if you got the book from us and not Amazon, because then Amazon, then, ha- Amazon has enough money. Yeah. <laughs> it, it has yeah. what? Has enough, has enough money. money. Amazon has enough money. Yeah. Right. So, so it, it, oh, okay. Get, oh, gotcha. You can, this, you can get as good a deal with us, but we, we get to use it for the, the money for the ministry. Anyhow, forgivingfor.com, you can get the book there. But also, you can download the free forgiveness guide. It's off the homepage. If you just scroll down a bit, it'll say forgiveness guide. And that will give you the protocols of forgiveness. There's seven of them of how to walk through forgiving wounds. And so that I would highly encourage people to get the forgiveness guide. Uh, we also have what's called our video series. It's a small group series. Also, families use it. Individuals use it. Um, it's a prerequisite to becoming one of our coaches if you're interested in that. It's called The Course, and that's on our homepage as well or in the store. And that's it. It's about, yeah, it's eight sessions. I mentioned that. It has everything. It just came out. Um, we just redid it, and it's got everything you would ever want to know about um, this message of forgiveness, including um, a new section we added in there called Frequently Asked Questions. And it's going to be power. It's going to be a powerful tool. There is um, a powerful tool. It is a powerful tool. In fact, yeah. we, there's a, a exact member of our board uh, pastors a small church, uh, a county over from us, uh, and he uses this video curriculum as his uh, new members class. He says, okay. "I I want a big church, but I need a healthy church, and so yeah. you can't join my church unless you go through Forgiving Forward because I want you to deal with your old baggage and leave it out there, to cover, apply the blood of Jesus to it." And get it dealt with before you come in and bring those problems into the church. And we've had um, all size churches from 15,000 down to 10 use it for small groups, for Sunday school classes, even uh, Wednesday night services. So um, it has a study guide that accompanies it for people to um, just if they want to discuss yeah. and ask, take questions, you know, ask, answer questions and do a little of their own study. Yeah, so we have the, we so, have a physical copy of the DVD and the study guide or you can actually do it online. And download the, we have the, the digital guide. version. Yes. The last thing I was going to offer um, that we offer is two things, actually, but they're, they go together, is we are here to help the local church. We don't care what size you are. And if we can be of help over the phone, over Zoom, or actually come to your church and do one of our Forgetting Forward seminars, um, we would be more than help, happy to help you with your church situation. That's what we do. That's what we are committed to. That's yeah, and pastors, if you need, if you're wounded and you're hurting and your, your wife is hurting, you're struggling... Uh, give our office a call if you can get the, the, it's the, the number, the number on, the on our website, mm-hmm. and we'd be happy to set up a coaching session with you and see if we can help you out. Yeah. We do it all the time. So we, Love what we do. Yeah, so we will coach whoever God brings our way to freedom. Well, well I, I don't know if I've ever said this before to anybody that I've ever had on as a guest, but you guys are making some pretty bold claims about your product, yep. and it's um, just it's pretty amazing and it's it exciting is. it really is exciting to hear and it's it's quite believable for those of us who are of faith and uh have a theological and biblical understanding and it's also a little frustrating mm-hmm. that i've honestly i just haven't quite heard it this way before and i'm about three feet away from my doctor of ministry degree 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's a little. Well, I'm a little late in getting to it. I think. Well, we were yeah. the same way. Yeah, and I, you know, again, I guess we get academic with instead of heart issues that keep us in a way, uh, and we didn't. And it's not. A, it's, you don't know what you don't no know. Shame. Until you, you don't know what you don't right. know until you know it, right? So it's okay. Learn it now and move forward. Amen. And, uh, when you talk about the the, the big claims, uh, I think we would all agree that a hundred percent of the people who put their faith in Jesus get transformed from darkness to light. Correct? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yes, sir. All right. Well, 100% of the people who who move from uh, expecting someone to fix something they did to us to applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound we ever have or will suffer will walk in the freedom of Christ. And you will walk in freedom. It's just that simple. And and it is, it's very quick. It's very simple. I mean, not quick. It takes a long time. It's a three, three or four hour conversation. But when you apply the gospel, when the when you put the blood of Jesus on, if you take people to the cross, they will find freedom. Anywhere else you best, you get an anesthetic. So we're taking people to the cross. It's a gospel. Yes, yeah. The Bible is incredible. What? And just a, a fun, <laughs> I like to just um, throw this in if there's, if there's time to add this. When God called us to this, which again, we were never even dreamed this is even a thing to do. Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote the prayer of Jabez and lots of other things, came back into our life and he saw in us, um, he saw our torment. He saw what was, he, he called it out and we got free. And then he said, you need to leave the local church and go to the big C church. Well, understand we have stayed in the small local church because God called us to that years ago. And we were committed to that and we didn't quit. We were never going to quit. And so we kept pushing on even through the, all the pain. And we had a hard time accepting Bruce Wilkinson's words to us. And frankly, I, I was like, you're not God. So who do you think you are telling us what to do? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so um, anyhow, he said, well, just go talk to one of your mentors and see what he has to say. So Bruce went and met with a, a mentor, a 75-year-old pastor locally. And, and Tom chuckled and said, I've been waiting for three years to hear you say that. God told me three years ago in my quiet time that this is why he oh, put my. you on the planet. Okay, now that was great enough. But I still was like, eh, I don't know about this. How are we going to pay the bills? Who's going to, how do you write a book? Who, who's going to ask us to speak anywhere? And so we came, he came, Bruce came home that day and we, there's a spot on our floor that we pray at. It's like our Holy of Holies. And we were on our faces literally. And Bruce began to pray. And while he was praying, this crazy thing happened to me. The number 30 flashed across my mind. Now I know that's weird, but I just saw this number 30 and I asked the Lord about it. And in my heart, I heard God say, I trained Jesus for 30 years before I sent him into his public ministry. And I went, yep, I got that. And so um, Wilkinson had kept saying to us, you've been in training all these years. So that was a common word we heard from him. So when Bruce finished praying, I asked him, I said, when was it you and I, Bruce Wilkinson just happened to be preaching at a church service in another state that we were at. And I said, when do you remember when it was we went and made that commitment to God that we wanted to give him our lives as a white sheet of paper to use how, however he wanted to. But we just were asking that he do one thing, that he allow us to make an impact for his kingdom that can only be explained by the fact that he did it. We didn't manage it. We didn't make it happen. Here's our lives. Or we, let us make an impact for you. Do you remember when that was? Well, the day that Bruce was his mentor confirmed this was March 19th of 2009. That's the same day we were praying. That's the same day that I saw the 30. The day that we made that commitment, because he went to his office, he still had the notes from that covenant, so to speak, that we made with God. And that day was also March 19th, 1979, 30 years to the day 
And that was the beginning of God saying, I've called you this. And so it was cool. Man, I really, really like you two. (laughs) (laughs) You're good people, man. You're, you are good people. You're, uh, you know, I, I'm on a committee where we um, vet ordinands, guys that are men and women who are getting ordained, and they often come in with their spouse, and you can read a lot from, you know, husband and wife sitting together for a while answering questions. And I, I read a lot of, of health and joy. Uh, I don't read any bitterness, no uh, anger toward the church, toward the Lord, I, I would love to spend, and not in a necessarily in a session, although that would be great too. But just for just to be able, my wife and I, just to go out. Sure. You're the kind of people you just want to go out to dinner with. Hey, well, that's uh, let's, do let's do you're, it. You're, 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 you're good people. Well, well there, yeah, there may be more restaurants in Atlanta, so y'all come here. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely more there. You know, so, it's you should say all that because this now just dawned on me for the first time. You would think I thought of that, this before now, but you said something that just dawned on me. We went to Dallas Seminary, and when we were at Dallas Seminary our first year, I noticed a lot of bitter women that were leaving like their fourth year, very bitter because their their husbands put poured their lives in a seminary and they were left out and other reasons. And I made a commitment. I remember making a commitment my first year of seminary that I did not want to be one of those women when we left. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be trained. I wanted to be ready. I wanted, I did not want to leave bitter like I saw so many women leave. And in fact, I was able to speak at our graduation um, service for the women. And um, I remember challenging them to not leave seminary bitter, but to do whatever it took to make sure that their hearts stay pure. And little did I know I'd be actually going into ministry that would be leading people to freedom and leave that bitterness behind. I just yeah. now remembered that story from, as you brought that up. So it's yeah. beautiful. That's awesome. It's great. And for us, we just say, you know, people say, do so. I say, yeah, we have to forgive you. It's an occupational hazard. We have to forgive everyone. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yes. And the same goes for all of you listening. Yeah. Every pastor is an <laughs> occupational hazard. You have to forgive because we're yes. dead. Yes. He's alive. And it's his life, and he took our he took our sins. He also took theirs. Well, if we have to forgive, we might as well learn how to do it right. Yep. Yeah. So, and again, the protocols, which we didn't actually teach in this conversation, but they're very simple, and it's as simple as yeah. the gospel. And if it's not, if someone gives you something that's complicated, it's not the gospel. Right. So that's the hook. The hook is they got to go after the protocols. Yes. Because yes. we, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you mentioned some of them in the course of this. Conversation. Yeah, we walked away through. I mean, I can right, we, we, right. We, no, no, knock them no. Out real quick, but you know, no, don't name them. You got to go on your website and right. you got to download that PDF. Guide. The guide, Give yes, yeah, yes. and so, take the course. Yeah. It, all right, so Bruce and Tony, thank you so much for givingforward.com. Go to that website, and I really want to encourage Pastor if you or your wife are are just really going through it, mm-hmm. what can it hurt to go to forgivingforward.com and give them a call? and see that maybe God caused you to listen to this episode today so that you could get out of the pain and the suffering that you've been going through. So Bruce and Tony, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jeff. It's our pleasure. Yes, it is. Thank you. In that conversation that Bruce and Tony and and I did via video, there was just this sense of tranquility with these two in what they're doing 
and how God is using them in their lives right now and in ministry. So I want to point you again to the forgivingforward.com website. While I was editing this episode, I went back and looked at my order history and saw I did not order the book, so I ordered a copy of the book Forgiving Forward, and I'm looking forward to, at some point in the near future, working through that book. But on their website, they've got uh, they've got seminar, they've got coaching intensive, uh, they've got forgiveness, small group, all kinds of resources on here. And Pastor, I think that this very well could be one of those things that you know we'll go through all of our ministry activities and all of our church you know calendar and routines and Bible studies and services and on and on and on. I think honestly. This issue of forgiveness very well may be something that trips so many believers up, so many pastors up, so many church leaders up, and they don't even realize it. We don't even understand that it is so crucial and so important for us to truly forgive. Now, you may go and look at that teaching by Jesus about the rich man who forgave the one guy and the next guy who wouldn't forgive the other guy. And you may come to a different conclusion on that. So that was an interpretation by Bruce and Tony that wasn't really new to me, but there was a there was kind of a little bit of a different twist on that. And I need to go back and look at that too. But but I think I think what they're teaching here has some real teeth and some real merit that we have to grapple with. Because if our people are being tormented by this bitterness and this unforgiveness in their lives, and if any of us are as church leaders, man, I, I know you I know you would want to deal with that. So again, if God is leading you, if God so leads, check out forgivingforward.com. And I'm so glad that I was able to bring Bruce and Tony and their ministry to you today. Pastor, I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday on the Coaching for Pastors podcast.